Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are y'all ready for the Bible? Come on. Come on. All right, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. (laughs) Well, happy Thanksgiving, right? (laughs) Oh, we know who needed Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you, and uh, it's so good to worship. Thank you for um, the fellowship of believers, Lord, uh, for our church family and the church families around our community. We thank you for the opportunity to come together in unity and to lift up the name of Jesus, the name above every name. We bring you glory and honor, and we say, Jesus, you're our hero. We love you. We live for you. Our lives are yours. And Lord, right now, we open up our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you just speak to each and every one of us, Lord God, as we prepare to go into Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, these holidays, Lord. May we bring honor and glory to you in our lives, Lord Jesus. And so we just, we listen for what you want to say as we enter into this time. Uh, Lord, I pray for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, to share what's in your heart today. It's such a privilege, God, to share your word. But God, I just, uh, I just want to get out of the way and, and Lord, just let see you, see you work, see you speak. Lord, we love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's Thanksgiving uh, this week, and, you know, a lot of us are going to see families. A lot of families didn't see each other last year. Do you all remember um, the, that show, Family Ties? Some of you all remember that show. It had um, Alex, who was like Michael J. Fox, played Alex. And I always identified with Alex, by the way, as like the, the nerdy kid who like wanted to go, you know, take over the world with business or something. Like, I felt like that, that was me as a, as, a, as a teenager. And one of the things I lo- thought was really interesting about that family character caricature, if you will, is that everyone in the family was so different. Like, the mom and dad were very different from Alex, was different from the sister, and like, it was just a very, the two sisters, and it was like, there was a, a lot of, it was a very eclectic family, and uh, which is really true about a lot of our families, right, is that there's, there's a lot of differences, and you know, as we go into this week, and as we um, share meals with people, and not just this week, but uh, you know, over the holidays, this, these, these next couple months, there's going to be a lot of catching up. Some of us haven't been in, interacting as much face-to-face with our family in quite a while. And, you know, um, we're going to catch up with family members and, um, that, and, and that are really easy to connect with. We're going to connect with family members that are maybe more difficult to connect with, if you will, right? Uh, maybe there's a, there's a history there with some of them. Maybe there's even some awkwardness there with some folks. Maybe there's some hard feelings um, with, with some different folks. And, you know, we're going to catch up with family members who know Jesus. We're going to uh, catch up with family members who have strayed away from Jesus. And we're going to catch up with family members who may have never known Jesus. And uh, today in the message, what I'd like to do is I'd like uh, to prepare us for these encounters that we are going to have with family. And, um, you know, for some of us, when that time comes around, there's this these two words that come into our heart and mind, which is get through. 
I need to get through the holidays. And you know what? I, I believe that the Lord um, has something better for you in the holidays, even with some awkwardness, even with some difficulties. I, I really believe God wants to do more than get through. I think he wants to do some things in you. I think he wants to make some impacts with people around you. And what I want to do this morning is, is let's prepare ourselves for this next month, month and a half so that we can just see God move and God do what he does rather than get through. Amen? All right, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 says this. Uh, we're going we're to read a couple of these parables. Now, now, a tax collector and sinners were gathered to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she, doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is more rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. We're going to stop there for a moment um, because Jesus is then going to go into a third parable about lost lost people, if you will, lost things. And, you know, the, the lost sheep and the lost coin parables, and when Jesus tells a parable, it's a story that's not true, but it's something that we would learn from and something that we would relate to. And all the time in a parable, there's always this kind of like, wait, what did he just say? Kind of moment in a parable. And in the lost sheep and the lost coin, the focus is on the father's pursuit for the lost. That's what he's, he's really trying to talk about, is that the father is willing to pursue the lost. And Jesus is explaining why he spends so much time with sinners. Jesus is explaining why he spends so much effort pursuing sinners. And when I say sinners, I don't say that as a slight. I don't mean that like with some kind of we you know, weirdness. I, I mean it like, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want to eat with Jesus, and I want to be counted as one of the sinners who says, yes, I need to eat with Jesus. I want to know him and be forgiven of my sins. Amen? And so that setup, if you will, uh, that purpose is seen in verses 1 and 2 because right before he tells the parables is the setup. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear with Jesus. Okay, that sounds like what Jesus would do. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So the purpose of the parables, the primary purpose, because there's so much, there's a lot of richness in them, but the primary purpose is he's trying to make a point about why he's there eating with them. Y'all catch that this morning? He's giving the explanation. You see, in, in both of the first two stories, Jesus um, assigns this you know, kind of average value, if you will. Like, if you have 100 sheep, 100 sheep was, you know, was a good amount of sheep for a shepherd to have. And again, this is a parable. We can't go you know, creating a bunch of details that aren't there. 
but one of a hundred, it's meaningful, but it's not crazy. Like, you know, part of my brain goes, that's 1%, right? Like, that's 1% of the, the sheep, right? Yeah, that's value and that kind of thing. And, you know, Jesus is kind of like bringing them along. Like, you know, you know I would go and find that sheep. I think kind of the wait what moment as Jesus is telling that story of finding the one sheep is, uh, you know, it seems somewhat reasonable to go get your sheep, right? But it sounds like there was a whole lot of effort in it. The rejoicing seems a bit, wait, what? Like, okay, like, but you're going to throw an entire party? I mean, how much, I'm thinking, how much food are you going to eat versus the one sheep you just rescued? You know, I mean, it's kind of like we're just reasoning it out, taking the parable too far. Like, it's an extraordinary thing. Like, let's have a party. I found my one of a hundred sheep. But isn't that God's heart towards the lost? See, we, we, we get to read all three and we, um, you know, maybe uh, had some time where we've got to know the heart of God and things like that. And so we're kind of there. But see, Jesus, if you will, it's kind of like on the stove when you're just like slowly turning up the burner. So he goes from the one of a hundred, and then he goes, okay, so what if a, a lady, she's got five silver coins or these denarii, and, you know, and she loses one of them. She's going to light a lamp, and she's going to sweep the whole house. She's going to find that one now. I, got, I admit, you know, my brain goes to the math. Like one of five, that's 20% of those five, right? And I did, was doing a little research, like how much is a silver coin worth? Well, they say a silver coin was probably a day's wage. I would, I would look around my house for a day's wage, right? Would I throw a party for the fact that I found a day's wage? Maybe not, because most some parties can cost a day's wage. I keep doing the math. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just can't help it, but I keep doing the math. I don't think they're all out there with their abacuses going, well, I should, okay, it's very extraordinary. Um, but you see, can you, can you feel like Jesus' hand on the stove just kind of warming them up? Warming them up? And the first two stories are inanimate objects, right? We ain't talking about people yet. Sheep, silver coin. But we haven't talked about a person yet. But then... Jesus turns a corner, and he's going to go into another parable. And that's going to really start to warm it up. But before I go there, I want to, I want to tell you today that, like, you know, in our, in our family gatherings this week, and, and even over just this holiday season, we have an opportunity to perpetuate the attitude that Jesus had in these parables towards our family and friends. I want to say that again. What's great is I have control and agency over myself. I can say that again. In, in our family gatherings this week and over this Christmas season, we have an opportunity to perpetuate or to continue this same attitude that we find in these parables with our families. And, you know, we're not going to go to a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas gathering closed off. You know what I mean? Like when you show up and you're going to get through it. You show up and you're like, I'll, I'll try to say, you know, maybe smile at them or that person who doesn't talk to me or uh, maybe I'll have a nice, you know, brief conversation, but then I'll just kind of get out of the room and go hang out with grandma. Just love listening to grandma and she fills the room anyhow and I don't have to do any talking. I'm just making stuff up. Um, you know, and we're not going to go, we're not going to go to Christmas and Thanksgiving guarded. Can you imagine, Jesus, he wasn't guarded around the mess. He wasn't guarded 
around the tax collectors and the sinners and the people who were broken and in need, right? And I bet their Christmas and Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, pushing this a little bit, uh, you know, had some awkwardness in their family gatherings and things like that, right? But, you know, we're going to go to our family gatherings with, like, an open heart, like, like saying, God, what do you want to do? You know what I'm talking about? So then Jesus, he goes into the next parable, the prodigal son. And now it's going to get personal. And I'll tell you a little bit about the parable of the prodigal son, and prodigal meaning like wasteful is what it means. Um, in this story, again, this is a, a parable, so it's a story Jesus is telling. So it's got at least a, a wait, what, one wait what moment, if not a couple. And in this story, a father has a couple sons, and the younger son says, I want my inheritance now. And, you know, it's like, it's so dishonorable because it's like basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me your inheritance. I want to I go. And in this story, you know, that's the first <gasps> moment because it's like so dishonorable. And it's uh, in that kind of society, we've been even more dishonorable than in a Western society, right? So this young man, he takes the, the money, he leaves home, and it says that he squanders all that money and, uh, and you know, does this wild living. It actually says that in Scripture, wild living. You just fill in the blank. And he gets to the bottom, if you will, and he finds himself like wishing that he could have the food that the pigs were eating, and he reasons with himself. He's like, hold on, I'm wishing that I could eat the pods that these pigs are eating. He says, you know, my dad treats his servants better than this. Maybe if I go back and humble myself, you know, my, he will allow me to at least be his servant. And it's a beautiful story because it says in verse 20 of chapter 15, so he got up and he went to his father. And this is such a beautiful verse. But while he was still a long way off. Do you see how much more personal this parable is? Jesus is just taking it from low, medium to high burner, Right? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his, sons and he, his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. You notice how all three end with a celebration? Isn't that cool? Well, in the story, the older brother hears about the party. And he is like, what is going on? It's like he was out, like he comes like, what is going on? And in verse 28 it says, the older brother became very, became angry and refused to go in. So, I have to tell you, in this, in this story, the angry people, the, the older brother, is the churchy people who don't like it when we get so excited when a new person becomes a Christian. Like, hey, I've been a Christian for 40 years. Like, they, they could probably learn a lot from me. It's like, no, we're actually going to keep them from you. Um, <laughs> like, that's, the, that's what this is. It's like the highly religious, like, I've been here all the time. Kind of, anyhow. Um, the older brother became very angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answers his father, look, all these years, I always, I always like envision this as like this like petulant young adult, like just like 
This is how I play it in my brain, my, like, my movie, like produced by Mike Hennigan. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat. <laughs> now, I have to admit, I've had goat, and it's good. Fatted calf is much better. Anyhow, um, you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, ouch, that's your brother, man. When this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? Whoa. You see, you see what Jesus is doing. You eat with the tax collectors and the sinners. At the end of the story, the elder brother is the people who are going, you eat with the tax collectors and sinners. You see, that's what Jesus is bringing them to that point. That's you, guys. That's you. Don't be this guy in the story. Self-righteous and what about me and mine? And, you know, in this parable, what I love is I love how the prodigal son, um, let me back up a bit. In the previous parables, the sheep and the, and the coin don't have a will, right? It, it, like, it's the idea of the, the father goes after them, right? In this story, the son has a will and runs, right? And the father doesn't try to control the situation, so he's not actually pursuing, if you will, in this situation. Because the son has a will, he's got agency, he's got an ability to make the decision come back. But what's fascinating is the son, when he hit bottom, he knew enough about, at least enough about his father to think, maybe I could be restored as a servant. He was way off in his estimate. But at least he knew enough about his father to think, I bet he'd allow me to be a servant. Do you know why he thought maybe he'll only allow me to be a servant? It's because of his own shame. It's because he thought, I could never be a son again. I knew better. I grew up in church, or I've heard the gospel, or you know, I, I know better. Like I, I dishonored my father. I willingly took this blessing and inheritance that he gave me, and I ran away with it, and I squandered it on sin and ran from him. Like I don't deserve it. His shame was saying, oh, I could never be a son again. But his father's impact on his life was so great that he still thought at least I could be a servant. You know, these are important um, points about the, the parable, but when I go back to the series, uh, to, the, to the beginning of this, it's, it's, he's, Jesus is addressing these Pharisees who are muttering. They're muttering about how Jesus was spending his time. You see, they compared themselves with Jesus. They were teachers of the law and Pharisees, right? They were experts. They were religious rulers. Well, Jesus was considered a teacher, right? And he had a following. So there's a jealousy thing going on here. And they're like, you should be doing like religious things that we do. And Jesus is saying, no, actually, you should be doing what I'm doing. What I want to tell you is we have the opportunity over these next couple months to do what Jesus would do. But what you carry going into Thanksgiving meal and what you carry going into a Christmas gathering and what you carry with your family and even maybe some things that God's still doing, some healing in your life, those things can become barriers to the opportunity of being in the room. 
The Pharisees, man, they're saying, why do you love them so much? Why, why are you being so extravagant with your time and energy with these tax collectors and sinners who dishonor God? Why are you giving them attention? Just like the brother is saying, why do you love him so much? Why are you being so extravagant with this son who dishonored you? Why are you giving this son so much attention who left and dishonored you? You threw him a party? It's so easy with family to be thin on grace. It's so easy with family to be thin on forgiveness. Because that familiarity makes you think they should know better. Don't they know? Don't they know? They, like, come on. But here's Jesus, and he does know. He's not aloof, but he's going to the pain. He's going to where people are hurting. He's going to, and, 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 and as I was you know, thinking about this and was flying home yesterday, I was thinking about how in, in families, there's patterns of all it takes is that one conversation about such and such and everybody's just ready to go home. Well, let's get through this. I want to I encourage y'all to put on your big boy pants and your big girl pants going to these gatherings. And whether or not you pick up the phone to reach out to that person who's a few states away Ask them how they're doing. Be interested in their lives. Be just open to an opportunity. And, you know, I'm not actually encouraging you to be like some weird, pushy person. But the opportunity to share the goodness of God and the goodness of Jesus and your faith and, and to just and to be a light and to say the name of Jesus and, and you know, and, and those kind of things. Like, like these are opportunities and Jesus is pursuing these folks. How would, how would Jesus show up to your family gathering? And if you told him on the way in, oh, Jesus, you need to know about uncle so-and-so, and you need to know about this and this, and you need to know about that, and, you know, but see, you don't know Jesus. Hold on, it's Jesus. No, how would he show up? He would show up. He wouldn't deny that sin is sin, and he, he wouldn't deny that brokenness and unforgiveness is bad for us and deny that things that but but he's on a rescue mission he's going after the sheep he's cleaning the house and looking for the coin and he's he's going after he, he's running to that prodigal who turns around and you'll be in the room with family members there'll be family members who they're still running they're still running from god and you know what people a runner's gonna run right you just gotta let them run but what if that moment comes and they go well what if who are you going to be in that what-if moment when they go, what about, and what, are you the safe place in your family? Are you, if, they, if somebody wanted to know about, more about Jesus or what he thought or, or needed to pray, like, are you somebody that they would come to? Or do we wear it in a way that it's like, no, I, I, I don't want to go to that person because I'm going to feel shame and I'm going to feel guilt and I'm going to feel... I'm not going to feel grace. I'm not going to feel forgiveness. I'm not going to feel that there's, there's a new day ahead of me. We, we get to show up, and we're responsible for the way that we show up. Amen? And I do have to say that if there's one other, one other thing, I felt like when I was preparing this for you and, 
and, and for me, you know, and for us as a church family, as we, and this is kind of like a going in to the holidays kind of message, right? Is the, the, the silver bullet that will undermine you in all of this is unforgiveness. And I got to tell you, that unforgiveness, it's not just about the wedge that it creates between you and them. Because you see, unforgiveness, it's, it's a wedge that the enemy will use to block your gospel witness. It's the wedge he's, the enemy uses to block your witness. And he'll have you focus on the fact that you're right. And I want to tell you, everyone always thinks they're right. That's not in, cool. That's not like helpful information. How about let's focus more on being righteous, right? Um, but I just want to encourage you, forgive, forgive, forgive. Not just for the fact that it can block your gospel witness, but unforgiveness will da- is damaging you. It really is damaging you. And if there's somebody that you're just like, you got that thing. And, and you know the hardest thing is when the, the, the offense is perpetual. You know what I'm saying? That's hard. Well, I'm going to forgive them, but they're going to do it again. There's a scripture for that. Peter's like, all right, well, how many times? I love that. Like, how many times do I got to forgive them? Give me a number. 11.2. Just give me the number so I can get the number. And Jesus says 70 times 7. Wait, what? Oh. And, you know, Thomas is over there going, oh, Peter, I don't think he means 490 when he says 70 times 7. I don't think so. Anyhow, just, I doubt it. Um, (laughs) On the same wavelength. Um, I I just want to encourage you, that's that's your opportunity to unload some things. You know what? The grace of God is there to unload unforgiveness in your life. And it's it's not going to help your family. But I got to tell you, in these family environments and these things, even when there are situations that are awkward and difficult and all those kinds of things, the reality is Jesus has given you an end. You can't change the fact that you're family, right? You can't change it. You're stuck with me. But let's not make that a heavy boulder, okay? <laughs> like, like, let's allow that to be an opportunity and let's allow that to be an inroad for the gospel. And, and if you're, you're like, okay, Pastor Mike, like, how do I do that? Like, what, is that? what does that really look like? I get what you're getting at, but I'm not sure if I know what it looks like. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Before you show up at a family gathering, before you get, you know, those kind of things, I would say, Jesus, give me a picture of how you want me to carry myself. What do I look like in the room? And if, if you, if he give, and let him give you that picture. Because he'll give you like a, hey, like, don't, don't go here. And, you know, why don't you, like, like, get up and do the dishes with everyone? No, just, uh, no, I'm sure he wouldn't ask you to do that. Um, I remember years ago, I was at Elizabeth's uh, family, and the, the two, her, her older brothers are 10 years older, and they're twins. And we were at her grandmother's house in Chesapeake. And this is, I think I was, I was just married. We, were, we had just been married. And so, like, I'm the new guy on the block, right? And they come in, they go, hey, Grandma needs your help. And I'm like, okay. And I go in, and, and I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, oh, you must be here to carve the turkey. It's my first Thanksgiving. Hands me an electric knife, and I see her brothers in the other room snickering. It's like, oh, they got me. They got me. But I just want to encourage you, pray, God, how do you want me to show up? And, and like, like, 
prepare your heart and prepare your spirit. Because the thing is, is if there's an open door, if there's an opportunity to share about Christ or just an opportunity to be a light and to be an encouragement, there's an opportunity to say, hey, I'll pray for you. Like, that's a powerful sentence, right? And sometimes that can even be, hey, I'll pr- I'm going to pray for you. And they go, thank you. Can I pray for you now? Oh, I love that one. Yeah, it's a little bait and switch, but most people are cool with it. They're like, yeah, just go ahead and pray for me now. And just pray. It's cool giving people an opportunity to just feel the love of God and receive the love of God. Come and play. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray for these two things. I want to pray for you if, when I talk about unforgiveness, if there's something in your heart, you just, today's the day, just, just give it to Jesus and forgive, 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 forgive. Release, forgive. Pray for them. Say, God, bless them. God, treat them better than they deserve. You've treated me better than we deserve. Don't let that that thing be toxic in your life. Can you do that today? Like, just just release that thing. It's not good for you. And the other thing I want to pray is that as we go in to our family events, that we would be a light. That we would be easy to be around to the point where the light of Jesus that's in us actually draws people you know, the sinners and tax collectors wanted to eat with Jesus. That's pretty powerful. How did he carry himself in such a way that the sinners and tax collectors wanted to show up? But, man, the Jesus in you is so appealing because he loves every soul. Amen? And I'm, I'm really going to challenge you right now. We have these family events, right? And, you know, the ultimate family event is a funeral. And, you know, I just, I want to know at every funeral of every family member that when I show up, that all the other times that I showed up, I really, I showed up the version that Jesus needed me to be. And, and that I did my part. You know what I'm saying? And so let's have eternity in mind while we're having a two-hour meal. Let's have eternity in mind when we're getting together and Maybe doing some presents. Let's let's have let's like really put this in perspective. And God has placed you in a place to be a light and to be His light, and He'll use you. Would you stand with me? I, I want to pray with you today, Father. We we just come before you today, and God, for those of us, God, who we need to extend forgiveness, or uh, Lord, I just pray oh, right now. We just. We make a decision to release. We make a decision to forgive. We make a decision that, that God, we just release and forgive. And for those who the, the offense is perpetual, oh, God, let the grace that you give us be perpetual today, Lord Jesus. And we just release it to you. We honor you. And, God, I just pray over our families, Lord Jesus, and over our gatherings and those kinds of things. Father, that you, Lord, would fill us with your spirit. Lord, that you would fill us with your love, God, the love that you have for lost people, Lord Jesus. And, and God, that, I, Lord, that our hearts wouldn't go to the, the fact that people should know better, that our hearts would God, go that, Lord, we just want people to know you. You're the hero, and you have given us grace. And, Lord, you've given us bread to eat. And may we be willing to extend that grace And may we be willing to give others bread to eat, Lord Jesus, the knowledge of you and the understanding of you. 
God, let there be a great grace over our family gatherings, Lord Jesus. Let the presence of the Holy Spirit come, Lord. Let even as people have resets of gatherings and things like that, Father, let the maturity that comes of people getting older just kind of like, uh, just come in the room and let the main things actually be the main things, Lord God. Father, I bless our times together. I bless our gatherings together. I bless the, these times, Lord Jesus. And we just ask you, would you move in the midst of these gatherings? Would you move in our midst? Lord God. And Father, would you give us a perspective that sees eternity rather than just an event? Father, give us each a picture of how you would have us carry ourselves. God, even when we're at gatherings, I pray, Father, that you would uh, prick our hearts to spend time with this one and go talk to that one and say a word of encouragement to this one. Lord, let our hearts be open to be your vessels in the midst of these gatherings, Lord God, to share your love because, God, your kindness leads people to repentance and you have loved us with an everlasting love. You've drawn us with your loving kindness and may, God, that love work through us. God, you're so good at saving people. You're so good at saving people. We just want to we want to be in the room when it happens, God. We want to be there watching you do what you do. God, I bless our family gatherings. I bless our times together. We honor you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.